Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. Thank you, thank you, man. It is so good to see all of you here, and uh, and I'm so delighted. Some of you, I know, last Sunday, I encouraged us to pray for uh, folks uh, that the Lord would put on our heart that we would uh, actually uh, pray for and invite to come and be a part of of today. Just really, just uh, taking uh, from last Sunday the the encounter at the well where the uh, the disciples uh, went into that same town and unfortunately didn't see all the opportunities that were around them. And so we just encouraged, uh, hopefully I encourage you and uh, by the Spirit of the God and, and that He moved on your heart, my heart. Uh, I will say this, I just want to thank the Lord for all of you that are here today. And some of you are our guests today. I met Caden earlier. I'll meet some other ones. Uh, and I'm delighted you're here. And uh, if you will, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Uh, we've been in an Encountering God series for some time now, probably here in a few more weeks, something like that, not quite sure exactly. But in Luke chapter 19, we're going to come to a familiar passage. This is only recorded in Luke's gospel, and when I read this scripture, it's going to be, I think, fairly familiar with most of us. Uh, if you've been around church any length of time, you probably have heard about Zacchaeus, right? And so here we go in Luke chapter 19, uh, I'm reading out the NIV, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see Jesus, or wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him or received him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be a guest uh, of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, or behold, Lord, here I now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and, I, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was lost. I, I, I just want, I'm just curious, how many of you have heard about Zacchaeus in the Scripture? Lift your hands up for me this morning. All right, most of us here, I'm with you. Um, just, just kind of a little background here about what's going on. Jesus and the disciples are making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, we know back in Luke, in the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 18, verse 31, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that was written by the prophets about the Son of Man, Him, will be fulfilled. In fact, He goes on to say uh, Jesus will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock Him, insult Him, spit on Him, flog Him, and kill Him. But on the third day, He'll be raised again. The disciples didn't understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them at this moment. They did not know what He was talking about. So they're on their way to Jerusalem. They're on the way to the Passover. This is the uh, uh, we all are familiar with this time. He's on his way, and he has to go through, or he's going through Jericho. It's just a traveling route as he's going through. Uh, in fact, previously, in the previous verses at the end of chapter 18, he heals a blind man on the road, and so they're passing through, uh, according to verse 1 in chapter 19. 
So I say this because, I mean, it seems like just an ordinary day in the life of Jesus as he's making his way to Jerusalem. And so when we come to this encounter with Zacchaeus, it doesn't seem like it's planned. It's almost some, somewhat spontaneous what takes place. So the first thing that I want to kind of look at this morning is who is Zacchaeus? Right? Who is he? The name Zacchaeus means, literally in Hebrew, it means clean or righteous one. Now, you know what he does. He's a chief of publicans, so he's not really living up to the name so much in this moment. But before I get there, one thing I want to say, and I, and I say this kind of jokingly, I wonder if Zacchaeus was a songwriter. Now, I know many of y'all know Zacchaeus in the Scripture. How many of you know the song about Zacchaeus? Anybody? Huh? Now, if you lift your hand, I might call on you. Don't, I'd say, oh, I know, Miss Linda's like, she's like, what? I know, it gets really, really awkward if I call on somebody. I've got to be careful who I call on in the service, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but, I, but I wonder about that because many of us probably know the song about Zacchaeus. Do y'all know this? Do y'all know this song? All right, I'm not going to get really awkward uh, and sing it. I do it. Listen to Gavin, like, go ahead, embarrass yourself. Um, but y'all know the song. By the way, you know, when it says Zacchaeus, y'all know the song, Zacchaeus was a... And a wee little man was he. I mean, now, first of all, I'm not sure we're going to be singing this in heaven, but we might be, I don't know. I'm not sure Zach would appreciate the song. He was short in stature, but I'm not sure he would want to be called wee little man. But it stuck. Actually, there are some, I don't know if you know this, there are some renditions of this song that say Zacchaeus was a greedy little man instead of a wee little man. I mean, there was. By the way, I know this is a fun fact. I tried to figure out who authored the song. And it's unknown, as far as I can tell. I mean, y'all go find out. I mean, y'all research and search. For this. I can tell no one knows who authored the song or when it actually started coming around. I will tell you this. In 1943, some of y'all might remember this. In 1943, 10% of the hymnals in the world contained this song about Zacchaeus. Uh, in Europe, it was a little different. Uh, instead of from coming to your house today, it was from coming, from coming to your house to have tea. <laughs> you only got to be from Europe to understand that. I mean, I don't, to have tea with them, we're going to come and spend some time. You're going you're gonna to take sit a spell. We're going to come to have tea. So there's been several renditions of this song. And it's a, it, I mean, it, and, and I mean, for whatever reason, the Lord has blessed it, and it has caught on and been used in children's ministry for a long, long time, right? And it's a beautiful song. Now, more importantly, I don't know if Zacchaeus was a songwriter, but the Lord blessed this passage of Scripture. And I will tell you, God, I'm so thankful for Luke and the Holy Spirit leading him to give us this passage for many reasons. Um, now, 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 again, about Zacchaeus, who was he? The, the Bible says he was a chief tax collector, or really the rendition is chief among the publicans. Now, the publican uh, uh, would have been the tax collector, you know that, but he would have been a public office. Now, he was a chief, meaning this, uh, Smith's uh, dictionary helps us understand, chief among the publicans is a phrase, it's an unusual phrase, but it pretty much means he was the superintendent of customs or tribute in the district of Jericho. I mean, he basically had a team of publicans that he governed and oversaw. Um, now, Wiersbe helps us know that you know this already. Publicans uh, were not the most famous people from the Hebrew point of view. Uh, they were often notorious for collecting more taxes than required. 
Why, you would say? Because they had the backing of Rome. I mean, it was their job kind of in that province. Uh, you're going to pay tribute to Rome because they were the ones that were over that area. And unfortunately, they would uh, misuse that office. And, then, and so, in other words, when you've got Roman guards or infantry behind you, then you're going to put the pressure on somebody to give whatever I tell you to give. And unfortunately, they would do that. In fact, just to remind us in Luke chapter 3, when, uh, in verse 12 and 13, when people were coming to John the Baptist, right? When he was preaching the kingdom of God for repentance. It even says in the scripture, tax collectors came to him, John the Baptist, and they said, teacher, what should we do? I mean, in their repentance, how do, how do we repent? How do we change? And he said this to them, don't collect any more than you're required. So we know it's a common practice, a common misuse of power, where publicans or tax collectors would have collected more than they needed. As a result, the next thing about Zacchaeus, we know the scripture says he was wealthy, extremely wealthy. He was very rich. Um, in other words, his office that he had was a lucrative position. It was one of fame. I mean, people would have known who he was, whether you liked him or not. And he would have been the elite aristocrat in that area. He'd had more money than he knew what to do with, most likely, right? Extremely wealthy. In fact, that's what the Bible describes him as. So that's a little bit about Zach and about his life and about who he is. But what's interesting, the, really, the, the meat of this message is about Zach's encounter with Jesus. And it reveals several things to us, I think, this morning. I mean, it's a beautiful song. It's a, we use it as a children's song, but it's a beautiful message for us as well. First thing that we see about Zach's encounter with Jesus is this, that this man became like a child. Now look at this with me in the scripture. There was a man, verse 2, a man there by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was very wealthy and he wanted to see Jesus. However, he was short in stature and he could not because of the crowd. Now let me, let me just pause here a minute. There was a lot of people around the Lord. You remember in the previous verses? As they were making their way into Jericho, there was a blind man over on the side screaming and hollering, Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. The people around him are trying to hush him up. Jesus can hear him screaming and pauses everything and says, Hey, I want to talk to this man. And he ends up healing him. There's an entourage around the Lord. as They're, they're making their way into Jerusalem. You're going to see later on if you read the scriptures, they're coming in. This is their, his entrance way into the Passover when they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. I mean, here he is coming in. So for us, when we read the scriptures, we just kind of read through that. But there was a lot of folks traveling with him. Now, you understand a lot of these people had misassumptions uh, about the Lord. Some of them thought he was walking in Jerusalem and getting rid of Herod and Rome and initiating the kingdom and restoring Israel back to its glory days. Uh, so there was been a mixed emotion, but make no mistake, there was an entourage of people. And the crowd around him was so big, so thick, so many, he couldn't see them. But there was something that drove in him uh, to want to see Jesus. In fact, uh, what does he do? He runs ahead of the crowd. He kind of spots the, the way they're going to travel. Not only does he run, but he climbs up in a tree so he can get a good vantage point because all he wanted to do was see Jesus. He was looking for him. He wanted to see what he looked like. Now, Wearsby helps us understand in the East, it was unusual for a man to run, especially a dignitary, a publican, a public official, a very wealthy man, would not have been running for anybody, for anything. In fact, quite the opposite. This would have been a person who would have been reserved and somebody you would have come to see, not me coming to see you. 
I remember uh, early on in uh, our Christian life, we had the opportunity to go to the Philippines, and there were many small villages that we went into. And one of the customary things, what we did is we went to go visit the mayor or the person governing that village, that town. And it was a special occasion. But they didn't come running after us. We would go to them. It was this big dignitary kind of thing. And so it was the same thing in this culture. For him to run in this moment, I mean, what's happening here? He's caught up with the wanting to see Jesus, so he becomes like a child. That's almost like a child at a parade running. I don't know if y'all go to parades anymore. Occasionally, Helena has some. And some children run ahead. They want to see all this action. They want to get a good vantage point to be able to see what's going on. And yet, that's what he does. Even, he even takes it to another level, and he climbs a tree. Now, let me just pause here just a minute, because just previously, in the previous chapter, Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples because people were bringing these babies and these children to him. And his disciples wanted to hush them. And in fact, the, the scripture says the disciples rebuked the parents for bringing them. But Jesus had other plans. In fact, he kind of rebukes the disciples. He says, let these little children come to me. He says, don't hinder them. And that's an interesting thought. Is it possible that we might could hinder children coming to know the Lord? That's another story for another day. But in this moment, the disciples were, and he says, look, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In fact, he goes on to say this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Interesting, isn't it? I remember years ago, uh, my mom's here today, so uh, my nephew, Jared, couldn't have been probably four or five years old, three, four, something like that. Uh, he was a happy little boy, and you start playing with him, and I mean, you, would, you could toss him up in the air, and he just, he just had that big smile. You know what I'm talking about. He's like, like this, and the higher you threw him, well, he'd just laugh and smile and giggle. He was so trusting, wasn't he? I mean, I'm, I'm talking to mama now. Y'all can just join in. But anyway, uh, aren't children often extremely trusting, aren't they? It's just so fun, Right? And so what is Jesus saying here? Unless you become trusting like that child, unless your faith is like that of a child, where you put your faith, your full faith, your full trust in me, you'll never make it to heaven. Now he breaks it down real simple. I mean, the disciples had to be shocked in this moment at the simplicity of coming to faith in Christ and the assurance of heaven. He said, look, you've got to be like a child. Now maybe it says more than what I realize. You know what Zach does on this day? He becomes like a child. His, his, his status in that community didn't matter anymore. His, his richness, his wealth, his position didn't matter. In fact, he takes off running like a child. Some people might would have looked at him and said, what is he doing? He's acting like a child. That wouldn't have been a compliment. And yet he throws caution to the wind. Why? Because he just needs to see Jesus. He is totally oblivious to anything else and everything. He just wants to see Jesus, pure and simple. You know, Wearsby goes on to say, uh, in, this, in this context, pride, more than anything, keeps successful people from trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now hold on to that thought just for a moment. I know we got all ages in here, but let me say that again. Pride more than anything keeps successful people from trusting Jesus like that child, putting your faith in Him. 
Why? Because sometimes we want to say we're a self-made man, that we've done all that we need to do, that we've uh, done this stuff to be successful. And Zach, uh, Zacchaeus certainly was a successful man. Whether you liked him or not, he was a shrewd businessman. He, had a, he, had, he amounted a team of publicans that went out at his bidding. He had amassed so much wealth it would have blown people's mind in the first century. It would probably blown our mind today. And, 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 and again, in the previous, previous chapter, I mean, here we are, the rich young ruler. You remember this? The Lord has that encounter with him. He wants to know. In fact, he says, Lord, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he begins to lay out, do these things. He said, well, I've, Lord, I've done all these things. And the Lord gets real specific with him. He says, you still lack one thing. He says, he said this, now sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Boy, he, he hit the nail on the head with this rich young ruler. Why? Because it's not about wealth. Listen, wealth isn't good or bad, but if wealth has you, it's bad. If you believe your life exists in the wealth that you have and what you possess, you don't have life eternal. You have life now, right? What you think is life. But listen, money doesn't buy you peace. Money won't buy you joy. And Zach knew that. Zach maybe Zach had come to that place. But, 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 but let me say this again. Pride often hinders us from trusting Christ because we get so full of ourselves when we get arrogant. We think, I don't need it. I, I'm good. I'm okay with the way I am. And let me, just, let me just remind all that Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples said, well, who in the world can? He said, what's impossible with men is possible with God. And I praise the Lord that not only with Zach's life, but even so today, very wealthy people come to know Jesus Christ personally as their Lord and Savior. Now you're, you're saying, preacher, you're talking a whole lot about wealth. I don't know, some people have a criticism about preachers sometimes. They talk about money. Well, here's the deal. Can I just, I'm just going to help you. I don't know where you are personally, economically. But do you realize that we are in the 10% of the most wealthiest people in the world? I'm talking about us. Even, even what we would consider poverty level is wealth to the world. I remember going to the Philippines on that first time. Now, being Paula, by our standards, had nothing. I mean, we really didn't. Um, Neither one at the time, neither one of us had a job. We didn't have an income. We just graduated from college. Uh, we had a lot of love, and that was about it. I mean, you know. Um, but I remember being over there with them, and um, um, we had two vehicles. We did have two vehicles. And I remember this pastor and his wife in the Philippines just thought we were the wealthiest people in the world because we not only had one, but we had two. They didn't have any. I mean, they did not. So anyway, I, I, I just say that. Because we are the Zacchaeuses today. Don't allow pride to hinder your coming to faith in Christ. Uh, the second thing, not only do we see a man become like a child, but we see a seeking man became found. Look at this in the scripture. He ran ahead, climbed the tree, since Jesus was coming that way. In verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said what? What did he say, church? Oh, come on, y'all. Zacchaeus, you come down. That's right. Zacchaeus, he called him out by name, said, you come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. What's interesting is Zacchaeus thought he was seeking the Lord, but the Lord was seeking him. He saw him, he recognized him, called him by name. We know the scripture says in Romans 3.11, no one understands, no one seeks the Lord. Unless God begins to stir the heart, no one's going to come to the Lord. We know that God calls, God elects, God brings us to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know that. The whole theme of this passage is verse 10. For the Son of Man came what? To seek and to save what 
was lost. Zacchaeus is lost. The Lord stops the entourage, looks up into that tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. What's interesting, and I, I want to take a moment here and just think about this, because it's a beautiful picture of Revelation 3.20 where the Lord says, Behold, I knock on the door, and whoever opens, I will enter in. I wonder, when did the Lord begin to knock on Zacchaeus' heart? Remember, he's the chief of publicans, right? He was the chief of tax collectors. You know who came to know the Lord, right? Started following Christ was Matthew. You know they had to be talking at some point. I wonder, and this is me, there's no in the script, but I'm wondering, when did the Lord begin to knock on Zach's heart? Maybe he knew Matthew very well. Maybe he had a conversation with Matthew and said, Hey man, do you really want to leave behind this business to go follow this guy? Are you really going to leave all that you have here to go follow him? Maybe he had that conversation. Maybe Matthew knew Zacchaeus very well. Maybe Matthew began to pray for him long before this encounter, long before this day. Maybe Zach became weary of all his wealth and riches and realized, you know what, no matter how much money I have, it's not going to buy me peace and joy and assurance of everlasting life. It's not working. Whatever was going on, we know this for a fact, that the Lord had been working on Zach's heart long before this moment, before this day. How do we know this? Because he became a child. He wanted to do everything he could to go see Jesus. Let me just say it right here. How do we know God's working in a person's life? If you invited somebody today and they come with you, there's a good chance God's working in their life. If you're out here at work this week and somebody begins to ask you questions about going to church or brings up something about heaven, something about the Bible, there's a really good chance the Lord's working in that person's life. We can begin to see those things and that whatever's going on, however the Lord did it, I'm so grateful because God still works in people's hearts to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he did that with Zach. Not only do we see a man become a child or a seeking man become found, but third, we see a small man become big. Look here in verse 7. And eight. I don't know what that was. That was the timing right there. All the people saw this and began to mutter, and he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, behold, I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Yes, Zach was small in stature. We know that. But in one sense, are we not all small in stature when it comes to the Salvation, are we not, have we not all sinned and come short of the glory of God? In the same sense, Zach, I mean, it was not about his stature. He knew that he was coming up short in his life. And yet this small man came to a big place where he made a big decision to no longer trust in what he knew and his wealth and what he had, but he knew his true joy, true happiness, true assurance comes only through Jesus. And he knew that. He sensed that. And he had to go see him. He was seeking him out. He came to that place... Let me say it this way. Zach was willing to humiliate himself or humble himself before others and before the Lord on this day. He had to see this one they called the Messiah. But not only that, but we see a poor man became rich. A poor man became, the Bible says that he was a wealthy man. And we've talked a little bit about that. But the reality is... People thought Zacchaeus was a wealthy man because of the money he had and the position he had. And he, don't, don't get me wrong, he had lots of money. But in truth, he was only a bankrupt sinner who needed to receive God's gift of eternal life. By the way, it's the most expensive gift you'll ever receive, ever. Salvation came to Zach's house. Why? Because he received the Lord. The Bible says 
Right when he called him down, he came down at once and welcomed him or received him gladly. There came a point when Jesus called him by name and he comes down. He does exactly what he does. He humbles himself, comes down to the Lord and receives him. Receives the Lord. That's what the scripture says. He welcomed him gladly. By faith, he's now seen the Messiah, trust in the Messiah. The evidence of Zach's conversion is very obvious here. In other words, he's not saved by what he does, but because he's saved, because he's come to Jesus and received him, now he's wanting to, what, demonstrate his faith by what? Making amends. In fact, we see, what does he do? He begins to, what, give half of his possessions immediately away. He says, if I've cheated anybody or anything, I give back four times. The Mosaic Law gave provisions for those that would have been caught in thievery. If you'd have been taken advantage of, if somebody would have robbed you, as he robbed them of their money, there were certain provisions in the law. Zach chooses in this moment not to go to court, not to dilly-dally, but he what seeks the most extensive payback in the law required. Four times as much, I'm going to give it to him. The evidence that Zach's conversion is real is that money no longer has him. No longer. What, what has him? The love, the grace, the joy, as we'll see in a moment, of the Lord how ha, now has him. And what does he want to do? He want to make, make amend to the people around him. Remember what Jesus said? How will people know that you're really my disciples? Y'all remember this? By your what? By how great you serve? Huh? What was it? By your love for one another. Zach had done a lot of people wrong in a lot of different ways, and people knew it. His reputation was out there. And he, he knew when he came to know the Messiah, this Lord, this Jesus, the first thing he had to do was make it right with the people that he had wronged. In fact, you could say it this way, the money no longer had him. Why? Because the riches of God's grace had now invaded his own life. What's that old song? The things of this earth grow strangely dim. In light of His glory and grace. When we begin to see the Lord, when we know Him personally, this stuff around us just fades away. And that's exactly what's happening in Zach's life. The poor man became rich. Not, not only that, but what is this? The host becomes the guest. What does the Lord do? In fact, we see this in verse 6. Where Jesus tells him to come down and he says, I must stay at your house today. So he welcomed him gladly. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus invites himself to somebody's house. And as Zacchaeus, he just, he just kind of takes over. In fact, we, we, we don't often see it in the context here, but he probably spent all the day, could have spent the night with him in the house. Thus the people were muttering, going, oh my gosh, he's going to spend the night with some sinner. He's going to go eat his food, dine with him, be with him. What is going on here with our Messiah? But he says he's got to go. Uh, the host becomes the guest. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus opens up his heart, and Jesus just comes right in and invades his house. Comes right in. Now, what I love about this is we see the response of Zacchaeus as he welcomes him or receives him with great joy, gladness in his heart. Joy is one of the major themes in the book of Luke, and he uses the word over 20 times. Boy, if there ought to be a word that describes our relationship, our encounter with the Lord, it ought to be joy. The joy, what Nehemiah said, of the Lord is our strength. One of the evidences that we're real, that the Holy Spirit of God is now abiding within us, is the joy of the Lord is now made manifest in our heart, our mind, our life. 
God puts a new song in our heart. And Zach's singing a new song today. In this scripture, he's singing a new song. He went there searching and seeking, and he found, the Lord found him. And in that moment, changed his life, changed his perspective, and filled his heart with this great joy that is amazing. What I love about this is, is, is the Lord has said to all of us, when we confess him, turn to him, trust him personally, he doesn't leave us alone. But just like in Zach's situation, what does he do? He comes and takes residence Within each of us. He comes into the house, this temple, this place in which we live. He doesn't leave us alone, but he comes and he's there with us. In fact, the Bible says that it changed Zach's life, his household, his family, that community, that area. No longer will ever be the same because of Zach's receiving Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So let me, let me, let me try to bring this home for us. Quite honestly, this ordinary day, the scripture says in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. We have no indication that he was planning on stopping at Zach's house today. It was an ordinary day, and quite honestly, it was just an ordinary day in the first century. In fact, they had a plan. The plan wasn't to stop at Zach's house. The plan was to go to Jerusalem, get ready for the Passover. Yet, yet here's the deal. This, an ordinary day became an extraordinary day. For Zacchaeus. His life is never the same again. He has now come to know this Lord, this Messiah. He no longer heard about him, but now he has welcomed him, received him, trusted him. That's the picture there. In fact, Jesus says salvation is coming to the, this house, this household. Everybody in that house now knows of the incredible joy of the Lord and his salvation. This isn't just ordinary day for Zach. I mean, it's changed his life forevermore. But who else? Who else? was touched that day. Think about the crowd. Think about their response. You know, when Jesus goes into that house, they begin to mutter and say, oh my gosh, he's going to be a guest of a sinner. You know, I want to say that the Lord is trying to model for the disciples and for everybody in that entourage, look, I'm here to seek and to save that which is lost. If we're not focused on reaching people with the gospel, then we're not doing what the Lord did when he was here on earth. He came to seek and to save. He came looking. Where are they? There's Zach. Go get him. There he is in the oddest place up in a tree. Nobody's even paying attention to him except the Lord. So, so Jesus is modeling for the crowd and for those disciples. Why? Because there's a, a day coming where he's going to, yes, die and be raised again. And he's going to ascend up into the heavens. And now he has commissioned us by the Holy Spirit of God to live out his life here on this earth. In fact, the scripture says in 1 John that if you know Christ, you must walk as he walked. Live as he lived. I mean, that's the whole gist of Galatians chapter 5 where Paul says we must live by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Why do we do these things? So that Christ may be manifested, His grace, His person, His riches, through His people called the church. Those that are born again. That's our calling in this life. To make known this wonderful mystery. This incredible, glorious grace that we have now in Christ. To make that known to who? To the Zachs of the world. There are, and by the way, there are plenty of Zachs out here. Not, if Zachary's here, I'm not just talking about you, Zach. Y'all with me here? I know. Preachers are horrible about being redundant. And I'm one of them. There are plenty of people looking 
for a Savior. The question is, do we see Him? Jesus modeled for us on this day that He was concerned about this one, the one that everybody had forgotten about. He said, I'm going to go get Him. Hey, come on down and we're going to spend some time together. Even when the crowd said, hey, you're wasting your time. Why are you doing this? Jesus demonstrated for them that this isn't just any ordinary day. It's an extraordinary day, an opportunity for life to be changed forever. My hope, my prayers for us, for me and you and all of us here, that this week, may God give us an extraordinary day. An extraordinary day. How? When we see the Zach in our path and we take time to share the good news of the Messiah with them. Not only that, but Jesus adjusted his life schedule and day just for one person to be saved. He adjusted everything. Let me say that again. His life, his schedule, his day for one man to be saved. I wonder about us. I mean, I think he's modeling for the disciples and for us today. How do we bring this home? Listen, the life that we have, the breath we have in this lungs, we don't have promise of tomorrow, but we have today. And you know who's with us today? The Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ himself. You know what he wants us to be willing to do? Adjust my life, my schedule, my time for one person to be saved. Where's that one? Who is he? Where is she? I don't know. But as we walk through this thing called life, God expects us to have our eyes up and to see where He is at work and to see the Zacks that are all around us. Be willing to adjust everything. My life, my schedule, my day for one person to be saved. You know, we say this every Sunday that our calling is to gather here for the glory of God. Where is it at? It's not up there. It's on the screens, isn't it? I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of it. I'm getting ahead. It's in the bulletin somewhere. You know how we bring glory to God? Not reciting words. God's not pleased with the words. He, it brings glory to God when this life is lived following my Lord's footsteps. There's a good song that says, Wherever He leads... Y'all have heard that song. Jesus had some great words that if you want to follow him, strong words. He said, you're going to have to leave it all behind. Now, I'm not going to say God's going to call you to give half your money away to the poor and to pay back all that. I'm not telling you, I'm not going to tell you what God will, but I'm not going to tell you he won't. It wouldn't be the first time God's called you to change your vocation and move halfway around the world so that one person may come to faith in Christ. My point is this. Jesus adjusted his life, his schedule, and his day for one person to be saved, and he expects those that follow him to do the same. The last one is this. Bringing it home, just real crystal clear, right here. Gavin, if y'all want to come on up here. I know they're coming. I don't want you to miss this. This is a big one here. If Jesus is calling out to you, receive him joyfully today. Zach's testimony in the scripture, I, I think one of the reasons why we have this, one of the reasons why I think there's a song that we sing about, Zach, he is, come on down. 
I, I think it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful testimony how one person who probably thought they were on the outside, probably never thought God's grace would ever enter them. And yet on this day, Jesus called out His name. What a beautiful picture in Revelation. Jesus knocking on the door of Zach's heart. Knocking. Called him by name. Said, come here, son. Now, I will say to you that Zach's response is one that I, I just hope and pray today. Lord, if God's knocking on the door of your heart, calling, that you would receive him joyfully. Don't resist the calling of the Lord. Don't turn away from it. Because today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Saying, I'll get to it tomorrow may never come. Friend, I'm not pressuring you. I'm just beseeching you in the name of Jesus Christ by the mercies of God. If God's calling out to you, knocking on the door of your heart, if you know right now, like Zach knew, I'm missing something here on the inside. There's no joy of the Lord in my heart. There's no peace that passes understanding. There's no assurance of salvation. Friend, there's only one name under heaven in which men and women, boys and girls will be saved, and that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name. No other name. So if He's calling you, receive Him. Now let me say to you, church, not just the calling of salvation. And it is a call. He may call out your name, and if He's calling you, come. You receive Him joyfully. But God also calls us to go. Our Master commands us to go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's called us to go. In fact, the context is as you go, as you live life, go in my name. Do my work. Make disciples. The fact is, we need permission to stay. As we go, Jesus left the Father's right hand to go to Calvary. He instructed those that wanted to be His disciples to leave their homes, their comforts, to follow Him. Some insisted they couldn't go yet because they had parents they had to tend to. Others wanted to make sure that everything was in order first. Still, some expressed their willingness to follow but wanted to know the details before they'd be willing to go. Jesus never excused those who struggled to follow Him. He makes it clear to follow Him means He sets the direction and we're called to follow Him. Father, right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I am so thankful, so thankful for this morning, for this day. I am so thankful for the testimony of Scripture, for Zach's testimony. And I am asking right now, Lord, if you're knocking on the door of someone's heart today here, God, I am so thankful for that. God, move in their heart to come to receive you joyfully. For all of us that know you, Lord, God, would you remind us right now that you have called us to go. Wherever you lead, wherever you lead, in Jesus' name, amen. Stand, stand with me this morning, church. We're going to sing a song of response. And friend, it's real simple. If you're here today 
and you need Christ, you come. Receive Him joyfully. Come on down this altar. Come on down here to me. We'll be happy to share Christ and just how to give your life to Christ. But friend, if you're here today and you know God's calling you to go, I'm talking about go, go to your work, go to your school, go to your workplace, go to your friends, go to your neighbors. Be submissive and responsive to the Lord as we sing this song together. Let's sing this together, church.